KBN Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Simply the best portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. You've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her in his heart. You may not commit adultery outwardly, but if you treat yourself to sexual fantasies in your mind, then you've committed a sexual sin. The attitude and the action are both fornication to God. You say, but my sexual fantasies are my business. God says, no, they're my business. And I see what goes on inside your heart. And God says, it's the same thing as far as I'm concerned. You have committed the act in your minds. When Jimmy Carter was running for president in 1976, he submitted, for some strange reason, to an interview with Playboy magazine. The person interviewing him got a big surprise when Jimmy answered a question asking if he'd ever committed adultery in the affirmative. Quoting these verses, he candidly admitted to doing what virtually every man ever born has done. He rightly considered himself guilty, even though he had never acted out on his hidden lust. Biblical truth is what verse by verse is all about. We're glad to have you in class with us today. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is taking us on a guided tour of the first three chapters of Romans. In the eyes of the law and of most people, there is a big difference between hating and killing or between lusting and adultery. In God's eyes, they both earn the same wage, death. And that fact makes even the most moral of us need a Savior. In verse 1 of Romans chapter 2, Paul said that everyone is without excuse. Even the best of us deserve God's wrath. To see why, we only need to look at the Sermon on the Mount. Keep your finger here in Romans 2 and turn for a while to Matthew 5, verse 20. Here is Pastor Steve with our lesson. Now let me explain this. And that's what verse 1 is saying. In chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, Paul has said that the heathen are without excuse because they know the truth of God and they don't obey it, right? That's what we said. They know the truth, they suppress the truth, and they don't obey it. But now, Paul is saying, now watch this, this opens it all up. Paul is saying that the Jew is also without excuse. Verse 1, you are without excuse. And you could say this, you could probably insert the word too there. Therefore, you too are without excuse. Because he also knows the truth and doesn't obey it. And what's the proof that he knows the truth and doesn't obey it? The proof that he knows the truth is that he judges the heathen by whether or not they live up to that truth. In other words, he has a, cri a criterion for his judgment, and he makes, uh, the judgment that he makes, he has a criterion which shows that he knows what's right and what's wrong. Do you see Paul's point? You prove that you know what's right and wrong, because if you didn't know what's right and wrong, you couldn't judge others. So you know the truth, and it's obvious that you don't practice the truth. You see, it's a brilliant argument. The Jew has exposed himself 
Because he has a criterion for judging others, it becomes obvious that he knows what's right and what's wrong. If he didn't know what's right and wrong, how could he say that the heathen are right and wrong? See? Paul says, when you condemn others, you condemn yourself because you fail to live up to what you know to be the truth. And he says, I know you know the truth because if you didn't know the truth, you couldn't have a basis for judging others. Listen, forget right for right now that Paul is referring to the religious Jew. See its broader application. He's referring to the self-righteous hypocrite. The self-righteous hypocrite who looks down upon others for their behavior, but all the while he's doing the same exact things that he judges others for. See, the self-righteous hypocrite loves to jump all over the faults of others, but he's blind to his own faults. Look at verse 1 again. He says at the end, For you who judge practice the same things. You see, the self-righteous hypocrite is blind to his own sins, but he's very much concerned about other people's sins. He looks over, this hypocrite, looks over the list of Romans chapter 1, and he says, in essence, terrible, hideous, awful. Imagine people living like this, like animals. They murder, and there's sexual immorality, and there's deceit, and oh, terrible. They live like animals. In fact, that, maybe that's why they call them dogs. And Paul says, you hypocrite. You absolute hypocrite, because you practice the same things you take your finger and wag at other people. You do the same things. And in self-righteous indignation, the hypocrite stands to his feet. That's really what Paul is saying in, in, in verse 1. He says, you do the same things. And I could imagine the hypocrite at Rome who's reading this, and I can imagine the hypocrite here today who's reading this, you, you might want to stand to your feet and say, how dare you, Paul, accuse me of such a thing? I dare you, Paul, to, to show me where my life is like the heathen. Now, I want to warn you, we're going to do that this morning. We're going to show everyone how their life is just like the heathen. And I want to warn you, if you have prided yourself on being a good person, upright citizen, great person, who God's going to just welcome into heaven without any any uh, thing necessary to be done. This is going to hurt because the Lord Jesus Christ is going to unmask your hypocrisy and he's going to bring you face to face with your true condition, which is sinful. Having said that, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. Now, I warn you, this is going to hurt if, you're, if you let the Spirit of God be honest with you. Matthew chapter 5. And by the way, let me say as you're turning there that this is... Uh, these words are going to sound harsh. You're going to think that Paul is harsh. You may think that I am harsh. But it's the person who really loves you who's going to tell you the truth about you. It's because God loves you that he doesn't want you to go on deceiving yourself, that everything is okay. He wants you to know your true condition spiritually. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Jesus said, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now listen, the scribes and Pharisees did all the right things. The scribes and the Pharisees were the leaders of the Jewish people. 
And they epitomized that self-righteous attitude which looks down uh, on others and does everything that's right outwardly, but inside it's foul, stinks. But outwardly, it does all the proper behavior. That's the Pharisees and the scribes. They, they were hypocrites. They, uh, they did everything to look good to people, but inside God looked at their heart and said it's wicked. Now, what is Jesus saying in in verse 20? He's saying that external appearance just doesn't cut it. Nobody gets to heaven by having the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees because that kind of righteousness is nothing but outward performance that looks good. The Lord is saying you need a righteousness that's more than external, more more than, than something that's pleasing to people because God is concerned about what you really are, not what you appear to be. You see... That is, that is the heart of the issue. And that's why the Lord said you need righteousness that's more than external observance and behavior. Because God is concerned with what you really are, not what you appear to be. But the nation of Israel prided themselves on keeping the law of Moses. They thought it was great on how they behaved outwardly. So in order to prove to them that they disobeyed the law, the Lord Jesus begins to go over various Old Testament laws And he shows them what the real intent of the law is and how far they've fallen short of it. What the Lord is doing here is basically showing them that they're sinful. He's showing them that they need a righteousness that's above the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes. He's really doing what Paul is doing in Romans chapter 2. He's addressing self-righteous people who thought they could get to heaven by outward performance. And the Lord's going to just go right to the heart of the issue. Look at verses 21 and 22. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever shall say to his brother, Raka, which means uh, uh, you, you fool, uh, empty-headed person shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. Whoever shall say, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the hell of fire. Now, let's not get caught up in the technicalities of what the Lord has said with Raka and you fool and the courts and all that. The heart of what he's saying is that it really doesn't matter as far as God is concerned whether you commit the outward act of murder or the inward attitude of hatred. To God, it's all the same. So you don't commit the outward act of murder because you want people to look up to you. You don't get people to look up to you if you go around murdering people. But inside, we commit murder when we hate people. And God says we're guilty. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is two different things. One thing is the act of murder and the other is the attitude of anger. They're not the same. In one sense, you're right. In one sense, you're right. In another sense, you're wrong. God says, as far as he is concerned, whether you've committed the outward act of murder or the inward attitude of anger, as far as he sees it, they're both murder. Now, you argue with him, not with me. That's what, that's what the Lord Jesus said. You have murdered. First John 3 says this. It says, if you hate your brother, you've murdered. You ever hated anybody? then you've committed murder. And not only that, you've committed the sin of hypocrisy as well. 
because you put on a show for the benefit of others, but your true attitude was one of murder. See, you restrain yourselves outwardly so that you'll have a good appearance before men, but inwardly, you can't restrain it. You're unrestrained. You're boiling up inside. You're so angry that you could kill. In fact, you've already killed in your heart. And God sees your heart, and God says you are guilty of murder. You are a murderer. If you just joined us, welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where he has been serving since 1981. Both Paul and Jesus himself had no trouble at all in smashing the defenses of those of us who think we don't deserve God's wrath. The evidence will continue to mount as we move on. But if you will stay with us for the rest of today's class and then join us for the next one, we will find that while we are all guilty, there is no need for any of us to ultimately face a guilty verdict, unless, of course, we choose to. Let's listen as Pastor Steve describes the standards that Jesus set forth. Romans chapter 1 speaks about envy, greed, malice. Ever been guilty of those things? I have. Still struggle with them now. Sure, there's no one here who's exempt from that. All of us before God are murderers. God looks on your anger and he says, it's murder. Whether you have controlled your temper or not, outwardly God looks inwardly and he says, you're guilty. See, the, the Jews said, we've never committed murder. And Jesus said, yes, you have. You don't understand the real intent of the law. It's not just the letter of the law. It's the spirit of the law. It's the intent of the law. It's the spiritual aspect of the law. Look at verse 27 and 28. In fact, we can go over this whole chapter and deal with this, but we'll just take a few. Verses 27 and 28. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her in his heart. You may not commit adultery outwardly, but if you treat yourself to sexual fantasies in your mind, then you've committed a sexual sin. The attitude and the action are both fornication to God. You say, but my sexual fantasies are my business. God says, no, they're my business. And I see what goes on inside your heart. And God says, it's the same thing as far as I'm concerned. You have committed the act in your minds. Maybe you don't steal. Do you ever covet? You ever wish you had somebody else's house, their new car, their prestige, their money, their reputation, their age? You see, God says it's what goes on in the heart. Paul says in Romans 7, he said, I didn't even know I was guilty until I saw the sin of coveting, and I knew that I couldn't escape being guilty because I knew that my heart was a covetous heart. See, those are the sins of Romans chapter 1. Yeah, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, and that's what Paul's dealing with in Romans 2 when he says you commit the same thing. You see, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks into the heart, and what God sees in our hearts are the same kind of sins he sees the heathen committing. The difference is that the heathen aren't smug and hypocritical about their sin. We are. That's, that's really the major difference. Why don't you turn to Luke chapter five, uh, 15. Luke chapter 15. These are, these are just devastating things, and I told you it's going to hurt. 
Luke chapter 15, verses 28 through 30. Let me set the background of this. This is the story of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son went out and he, he lived a life of loose living. And he got so far into sin that he was in a, in, in a pen with pigs. And you must understand that understanding the kosher laws and, and how the Jews viewed pigs as unclean, you couldn't get any lower than that to be in, in a pig pen. And he came to his senses and he said, I will return to my father. But his brother, his brother who would never think of doing those things outwardly, his brother was just as wicked as he was, only he just looked better. Look at verses 28 through 30. This is the brother. But he became angry. This is the brother who stayed there and looked good and tried to help his father. But he became angry and was not willing to go in, go in what, and receive his brother, who the prodigal came back. And his father came out and began entreating him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I've been serving you, and I've never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a kid that I might be merry with my friends. But when this son of yours came... He won't even say this is my brother. He said, this son of yours came who has devoured your wealth with harlots. You killed the fatted calf for him. Now, look at this. Look at this guy. This brother did all the things his prodigal brother did, but it wasn't obvious. It was all in his heart. Pride, stubbornness. Yes, he outwardly did what his father wanted to, or at least what his father said, but inside he wanted to be just where his brother was, loose living, wild parties, spend all his father's money. This this kid was proud, he was stubborn, he was unloving, and he was above all a hypocrite. See, that's what God says we are. Respectable sinners who who look down upon others, but in our hearts we wish we could do the same things. Oh, if we could only get away with it, and nobody would know. See, because those are the things that are in our hearts, because we have sinful natures. In fact, the term hypocrite, I've been using it all morning. The term hypocrite comes from a word which means to act a part on a stage. That's the meaning of it, to act a part on a stage. A hypocrite is an actor who puts on a show for the benefit of others, but you know what? It doesn't fool God, and that's the point here. It does not fool God because God sees right through this act and looks into the heart, and because of that, there'll be a proper judgment. Look at verse 2 of Romans. Turn back to Romans chapter 2, verse 2. Paul says, you, judge, you who judge practice the same things, and we know that the judgments of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. Literally, this term rightly falls means is according to truth. The judgment of God is based on truth. God sees right through the hypocrite's act, and he judges, not on appearance. Men judge on appearance. God judges on the truth. God judges based on his righteousness. He never makes a mistake. God has all the facts before him. Nobody's going to be able to stand before God and say, but wait a minute, wait a minute, I did that. God will say, keep quiet. This is what you really did. But I never murdered it. No, let me show you how much anger you had in your life. But I never, I never was unfaithful to my spouse. Let me show you. 
how you committed adultery and lusted. But I keep quiet. The Bible says that every mouth will be shut before God. No one will be able to say anything because all the truth will be laid out before us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. We're very familiar with Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, which says, For the word of God is living and sharper, and active, rather, and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and of spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intent, intentions of the heart. But do you know what verse 13 says? And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Don't think you're going to get away with anything. You may fool others. They may think you're so morally upright and so wonderful, but God says that everything he sees, it's like a wide open screen. God sees it all. And therefore, God's judgment is based on truth. You know, men's judgment is not based on truth. Not always. Sometimes we try to be, but it's not. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the, um, the Corinthians were having a problem with divisions. And um, some said, I'm of Paul. Others said, I'm of Apollos. I'm of this one. And, and, and they were judging, and they were, making, they were making statements of judgments. And Paul is going to warn them which he's been doing all through these first four chapters. But he's going to warn them that their judgment means nothing. In fact, he's going to say, my judgment means nothing either. Verse 3 of chapter 4. But to me, it's a very small thing that I should be examined by you. Or by any human court. In fact, I don't even examine myself. Paul says, look, men get it all messed up. It doesn't mean anything to me, your judgment, your examination, because you don't know all the facts. You can only judge by outward appearance. You can't peer into the heart. You don't see the hidden motivations. You don't see what really goes on. You don't see the reasons that I do things or anyone does things. In fact, Paul says, I don't even examine myself. Why? He says, because my heart's deceitful. And it's what he's really saying. I don't know everything. He says in verse 4, I'm conscious of nothing against myself. I, I, there's nothing that I'm aware of that that." can be held against me, my own evaluation of myself, yet I am not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. Verse 5, Therefore do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the, the things hidden in the darkness, things that no one else can see but God, and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. Paul is saying, look, our judgment means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. The judgment of God means everything because God sees the facts. Depending on our relationship with the Lord, that can be either encouraging or terrifying. But we will have to wait until next time to finish. It's almost time to go. You have been listening to Verse by Verse. Our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff, has been serving for over 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His practical messages are produced for radio by Verse by Verse Ministries, a faith ministry supported by the gifts and prayers of faithful listeners who are also faithful to their own churches. If you missed part of our class, you can catch it again at our website, versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Or you can order a CD or a cassette with the entire message by calling us at 
1814. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. Now, here is Pastor Steve with an important announcement. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff from Verse by Verse here on WTBN. I want to tell you about an exciting opportunity to join me on a trip to Israel I'll be leading this May. We'll be visiting those sites in Israel where Jesus ministered, such places as Capernaum, the Sea of Galilee, the Mount of Beatitudes, the Mount of Olives, Jerusalem, and and so many more sites. If you're interested in learning more about this tour, then you can call the following number and ask for more information. The number is 877-768-2784, extension 111. That's 877-768-2784, extension 111. The tour dates are May 5th through the 14th. 